Praise the Lord. I tell you, I like that song, brother. I tell you, you keep on singing for the glory of God. I'm going to tell you what, it's something about certain songs. You ever had them certain songs that just move you? I tell you, sometimes you don't even see it coming, and man, you start listening to a song, and that thing get a hold of you and shake you real good. I tell you, we, there's one we sing at church, and I'm going to tell you what, every time I hear it, it just blesses my heart. Another week, I'm going to share this with your body of Christ. Something just blessed my heart. Another week, there's this gentleman we've been praying for, this girl's uh, father, to start coming to church again. And she kept calling out on the altar. Remember, see, make use of the altar. You won't regret making use of the altar. She keep coming. to the, I mean, yeah, you can pray in your private time. But when she come to church, she'd get on that altar and keep crying out for her father to come back to church. And it wasn't too much longer. A few weeks went by. A few more weeks went by. It seemed like a long time in her eyes when you're waiting on somebody like that. But I'll never forget when he started coming, man. And he, he just got on the altar one day and just said, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I'm away from you. I'm home. I'm home to stay. Forgive me. Wash me. And uh, I just want to surrender all to you. Think about that precious song, I Surrender All. But what would get me, boy, we'd be singing that special song that moves my heart. And every now and then, boy, he just get a, he, he, can bear, he can't walk real good. And I say that respectfully. And he literally has to stagger on his, his feet. Something He's had a foot issue, if you will. Man, I'll watch that man get up crippled and hobble down to the altar to praise the Lord. I saw, glory to God, I saw him the other week stand up. And boy, when he stood up, I was right behind him, ready to come down and pray over him. And he come down here and he just laid on the altar, just crying out to God, thanking him. I tell you, what a special thing that no matter what situation you're in, we got something to, to praise him for tonight. Got so much to praise him for. And as I listen to that brother sing that song, I mean, it just reminds me, Man, what a blessing we have in Jesus. Amen. I'm glad to know as I sit up here tonight that I'm sealed to the day of redemption, that I've been adopted into the family. I can't be unadopted. Glory to God. Sealed to the day of redemption. Saved from the wrath to come. Hey, we got something to shout about tonight. We got something to be excited about. Not because it's just revival, but because we're, if you're in here and you're saved tonight, you've got every reason to have a smile on your face. Can I just say tonight, can I start it off this way? I'm glad that I'm not going to hell. Anybody with me tonight? Anybody glad you're not going to hell tonight? I mean, Lord, help. I'm glad I'm not going to hell tonight. I'm glad that he loved me enough. We talked about it on Sunday. I, I still can't get over that. Never planned to. What he did at Calvary for us. Isn't it something? That's why we're here tonight. But I tell you what, again, I just want to thank that brother. I love them songs that just move you hard and and it's just such a beautiful thing. I thank you for uh, just all the songs, all the various styles and everything. It's just been sung to the glory of God. And uh, that's what it's about, sing, singing to the glory of God and uh, worship Him. Him, He's worthy. Tonight, you know, we've been going back as we started revival. God put on my heart this theme of we need to get is the body of Christ. And, you know, and I, and I, as I go around, if I'm doing a revival or anything for that matter, Lord, what do you want this congregation to hear tonight? or this day, or at this youth event, or whatever. What do you want them to hear? And, and some may be here for the first time tonight. And I went to the Lord over the past few weeks, and especially the last week leading up to revival, and the Lord just hit my spirit so plainly. We need to get back to the basics of this right here. We need to get back to our foundation. We need to get refocused on some issues. And part three is coming up tonight. And this is one... Uh, you better hold on to your seat. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you right now because it's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you. And it's gonna, I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably going to make you feel uncomfortable too. Okay? On Sunday morning, we talked about first and foremost, before anything else, we need to get back to a remembrance of who saved us, why, and how he saved us, all that he went through. We need to look at, thank God for an empty tomb. That's why we're here tonight. There would be no use to be here. And we went back and we looked at the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as a believer and how it all starts there as our foundation for our hope, for our joy, for our peace, for it all. It all comes after that and how we serve the Lord, how we get behind our men of God, etc. And then, of course, last night we talked about there needs to be, once we're saved, for example, there needs to be a separation from the world. There, there, people need to see something different in us not that we're putting on a show, but that we're just being ourselves in Christ. And they say, man, I want what they've got. I want what she's got. I want what he's got. I want what's going on at that church. I need some hope in my life. 
But the biggest thing is, on that same note, we need to sever some ties we talked about. If there's some things, sometimes you've got to break fellowship with certain people. If they're into certain things that you know God says is toxic to your walk with Him, you love them, you pray for them. We talked about sometimes, Paul talked about it in Ephesians 5, you've got to break fellowship with certain people. And we went through talking about those different things. Tonight, I want us to look at a different topic. And this is one that... God has, over the years, I've noticed lately, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this just to say it, I've noticed lately over the last few years that God has burdened me with this more than in years past. I do not know why. Maybe, and I do believe all the signs say, point to the fact that he's coming soon. I don't know when, Now, soon might be 20 more years. I don't know when it is. But in all of history, when you look at this Bible and study it out and all the prophecy, there's nothing else that needs to happen to keep them from coming. And so when I think about that, so I don't know why the urgency now to really, there's two topics he's hit me home on on the last two years. Repentance, and here's the one we're going to look at tonight, but we're going to look at it for a reason. The issue of hell. The third topic I want us to look at tonight where we need revival is the body of Christ. And again, it's not about why, well, I say the body of Christ, but I believe the Lord is saying it's for this church, or he wouldn't have had me bring it up and preach it from his word. Here's the issue I want to go to tonight. Here's the next question. In our back to basics, look at the word of God. We need to have a burden. We need to get a refreshed, bold burden for lost people. Listen. Listen, I'm, and I mean, we're going to get real in here tonight from the Word of God. I'm not talking about, yes, we need to pray, and I know we're doing a lot of things, but there needs to be something in us that it literally scares us, the fact if we've got a neighbor, co-worker, family member, husband or wife, that if they die, they're going to hell. That ought to scare the fire out of us. That really ought to. And if it doesn't, I hope that after night it will but scare you in the right way. Because, see, we talked about it originally. You can't pick and choose the Bible. You can't say, well, I just like when you just go to that New Testament preaching and go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just pick out all the fun, fuzzy stuff. And, hey, that's part of the Bible. We're going to preach that. But we've also got to get to a point where we get stirred and re-challenged in the fact and the issue that there really is a literal hell. Do you know there's a lot of people... In various denominations, some are even divided on the issue that is hell a literal place. Some people are preaching that it's not a literal place, that it's figurative. It's just a place without God, but there's no torment, there's no this and that. And so we're going to look at it tonight. Why? Because if you get a burden of the reality of dying without Christ, that is something that will start to stir you to want to reach lost people. Let me show you how obvious it is. I think I may even use this here one time when I teamed up with Fate Force, this analogy, a few years back. But I want to I use this again. I still team up with those guys, by the way, but I'm, I just travel and preach now. But here's the thing I want to get to. Let me prove this point real quick. If we knew right now that down the street somebody's house, if somebody walked in them back doors and said, hey, I don't mean to interrupt your revival, but somebody just put a bomb at this house down the road. I don't think all of us would say, well, thanks for the information and just, man, that guy's crazy. And he'd turn around and walk off and we'd just go on with service. We would be panicking and going, we've got to call the law. We've got to take action because then people are about to die and they have no idea. We might even say, Kevin, sorry, and people start running out and running down the street to warn them. Hey, we just got word. You're not even aware, but there's a bomb in your house. So here's my question. Now watch this now. If we truly believe hell's a real place, let me ask you this question. Just between you and God, whew, why aren't you telling anybody about Christ? If you had the cure for cancer, I bet you'd tell somebody. Let's, come on. If you had the cure for cancer, I guarantee you, you wouldn't sit on it. You tell somebody. Why? Because you know it's about to save a lot of lives. So if we believe, and we're getting ready to go to the Word, if we believe that hell's a literal place, then why are we not witnessing more to people? You know, I, I do a lot. I wish my wife was here tonight because I don't I want you. I think you, you take me at my word. I think you see my integrity. I wouldn't lie to you. But 
One thing my wife and my mother-in-law will tell you, matter of fact, my, uh, uh, my pastor's wife used to sit at the women's meeting the other week, and my wife told me that she was talking about witnessing. That we, she was talking about that very thing, ironically, she was talking about witnessing. She was talking to the women of the church. She said, you know, just as a Christian, we need to get an increased burden about witnessing. She said, I'll tell you, that brother Kevin Claff, that joker witnesses everywhere he goes. Now, let me, go, let me elaborate on that so that you won't think I'm puffed up because I can't stand a puffed up attitude. You know, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's Bible, by the way. He resists the proud. But I didn't used to always be that way. I loved the Lord when I got saved. I, had, I was all but homeless. He had transformed my life over the weeks and months and years. But i got to be honest with you. And even after he called me to evangelism, as I started, man, I had a fire on me when I get up here. But what started to burden me? Where's my fire in Walmart? Where's my fire in the dollar store, the grocery store, the co-worker? Where's my fire and boldness then? And I started praying, God, I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to tell everybody I can about you outside of the pulpit as well. But Lord, can I be honest? And I know I can. Lord, I just don't have the guts to do it sometimes. I don't have the boldness I need to do it. And I started praying and asking God to give it to me. Here's what happened. Some of you may have mentioned my friend I talked about the other night named Russ, who's now gone to be with the Lord. It was in Pelican Bay, Folsom, Chino, etc. San Quentin Prison. When that man got saved, wasn't long after that, years went by, he was in ministry. Well, I ran into him over the years, and long story short, we got to do a lot of ministry together. Went into some of the roughest schools in the nation, things like that. But watch how God answered my prayer. He put me around this guy. This guy was a witnessing machine, man. I mean, everywhere he went, he witnessed to people. It didn't matter where he was at, in the gym, in McDonald's. It didn't matter. And here's what he told me. So you see, God got me rubbing elbows around this guy because he knew it was going to rub off on me. But here's what happened. I watched him, and he'd go into places, and he'd simply ask somebody this question. He'd say, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah. And they didn't know what he was up to, you know, especially the way he looked. They didn't know, what's this guy getting ready to say? And he'd say, can I ask you something? If you died right now, what do you think would happen? And that right there is all it took. And that was his way of starting it off. He went right to the point. But I got to tell you, as I sat and I rubbed elbows with him and stayed in hotel rooms together and we talked in fellowship, I rubbed elbows. And by the time, over the years, I got to a point, and ever since then, I just, he, here's why. Because he told me one time, he said, when I was holding hands with Satan and I had them colors on my back, I didn't care whether you liked it, loved it, or anything else. Now that I'm born again and I'm a child of the king in the right way, I mean this, why should I care what anybody thinks? What are they going to do, shoot me for witnessing to them? What are they going to do? And then he said, you know, it's amazing. we got people that are literally being martyred for the cause of Christ right now. And we're sitting in here in the conference of America, and we've got the cure for their sin, and we're not even opening our mouth and telling people. See, that's, that's the type of stuff is, listen, let's just be honest. That's the type of thing we don't, we don't like to hear that kind of preaching. Because that challenges us and gets us out of our comfort zone. So if you raised your hand, if you believe hell's a literal place, here's the thing. You can't ask yourself, how can I share my faith with that person? or that co Here's my question to you. How can you not? How can you not share your faith with that person? How can you not? So keep that in mind. And this, by the way, is not a condemnation message. This is where God, I like this when the Lord does this in my life, where he comes by and says, you look a little cold right there, and he fans my flame. This is to fan your flame tonight. Don't mean you don't love Jesus. This ain't got nothing to do with that. Don't let the devil creep in on this. This is about fan your flame, man. Stand up for what you believe in. Take a stand and witness. As I go around and witness to people, let me say this real quick. I often ask them, I, kind of, I tell them, I say, Man, I've enjoyed talking to you. I said, I'll take kind of a little funny poll. I know will smile sometimes. I'll be like, what? I said, can I ask you something? Yeah. When's the last time anybody's ever tried to share Christ with you or invite you to church or both? <laughs> 95, 8, whatever percent of the time, never. First time ever. Can I tell you outside of my family and going to church and hearing the Word of God? 
as far as being out in the world, never have one time a Christian ever come to me and try to witness to me. Not one time. I would be willing to bet that many of you right now could raise your hand. If I was to say, because <coughs> they don't know if you're saved or not, maybe if you just walk into a store and you get talking to somebody, when's the last time somebody come to you and tried to share the gospel with you one-on-one at the store, in the parking lot, whatever? Most of you would say, I mean, outside of coming to church and hearing pastor preach and stuff, nobody comes up to me and witnesses to me. I see the smiles already. You know what I'm talking about. Nobody's doing that. No Christians much are doing that. And the question is why? If, if we believe hell's a literal place, not a figurative one. So let's go to the Word of God. I'm going to start before we go to the Scriptures that I'm going to ask you to flip your Bible to. I want to start by reading a few verses before we actually go to the scripture we're going to use tonight. I felt led today. God showed me these scriptures and I wanted to include them and write them down. I want you to just listen to this real quick. First, you know, like I said, let's look at a few facts about hell through God's word, through the scriptures. Do you know in your King James Bible, it is mentioned 54 times, okay? Revelation 21.8, we're reading the word of God, we're all in agreement. Revelation 21.8 says it this way. Listen to this, it's God's word. <clears throat> but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Do we believe the Bible is the truth? Do we believe this is really the inspired and fallible word of God? Then what did we just read? Let's go on. Revelation 20:15 says it this way, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life, same Bible that's got all the sweet things we like to read. Listen to this, same Bible, we've got to talk about all of it. Whoever's name was not written in the book of life was cast into, was thrown, was cast into the lake of fire. Matthew 25, 46 says it this way, and these shall go away, into everlasting punishment. That's harsh to hear, but man, that's God's word. Everlasting punishment. But the righteous, I like that, into life eternal. You wonder why we got something to shout about tonight? Into life eternal. Luke 12, 5 says it this way, but I will, for, I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power, hath power, hath power to cast into hell. That's your Bible. Ye I say unto you, fear him. Let me pause right there. You know, some of you heard me mention about my daddy the other night, old school, love him to death. When we talk about fear right here, I'm not, quote, scared of God. I'm respectful of God. When my daddy would come home and I knew that he had to discipline me, I wasn't scared in the sense of I didn't like him personally and he's a mean father and he's this, he's a dictator. No, I knew I had done wrong and he was a loving father and I was about to get what I deserved. But I didn't fear my daddy in that regard. I wasn't scared of him as the man that he was in his heart. I was scared of the fact of what I knew he had to righteously give me that I deserved. There was a reverence. There was a respect. There was a, quote, righteous fear of him. So when you look here, let's continue. Listen to this. He says, I say unto you, fear him. Because why? Because he's the ultimate authority. Listen to Ezekiel 33.11. Say unto them, as I live... Listen to this. Saith the Lord God, not Kevin Clapp, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Listen to this. But that the wicked turn from his way. Repentance. Repent and live. God is saying right here, I've heard people say this. As you start to witness to people, you're going to realize this. They're going to say, well, if God is so loving, we already know where this is going, right? Why does he send people to hell? I said, man, that's a great question. I'm glad we got a God that gave us his word and can answer it. I said this the other day on the message on Sunday morning. 
Hell, hell was, was meant for Satan and his demons, his angels. If you go there, you're a trespasser. You're going to send yourself by rejecting the life raft. If you were drowning and somebody was on the boat and they're throwing you a life raft and you constantly swat it away and say, I don't want no part of that life raft. Who made you drown? The guy throwing the life raft? Or you made a choice to drown? You made a choice to drown. You're going to crawl over the cross to get to hell. We think about the seriousness of the consequence of dying without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's what I want us to do tonight. We've listened to those first few verses. Now let's go. You already know probably where I'm going. Let's go to Luke chapter 16 in your Bible. Luke chapter 16 in your Bible. And I want us to look at something. And I, I don't say this sarcastically. I say this just to remind our flesh. We're still in God's Word. This is His Word. Me and the pastor didn't write this. This is God's Word we're about to read. Starting with verse 19. You know it. You've probably read it many times. But remember, we need to get back to the reality of we need to have a burden for lost people. Starting with verse 19. Chapter 16, starting with verse 19 in the book of Luke, it says this, there was a certain rich man, red letter edition, if you've got it, Jesus is talking right here, <coughs> excuse me, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Very next verse, listen to this. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham far off, Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. There's that word again. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them. Least they all, listen to that, let's read that again. That he may testify unto them. Think of the world here. Least they also come into this place of torment. I'll never forget, I heard a testimony one time before we continue. And this guy said, a lot of people have a lot of, you've heard a lot of near-death stories, and I, I'm just going to be honest, I'm not claiming to say all of them are authentic. I think some, I'll be honest with you, I don't think all of them are, are accurate biblically either. But this man said this right here. I'll never forget it. There was an emergency room nurse. And she told this story. She said, we had a man in the ER the other day. I don't even think she was a believer. I don't know for a fact. I can't remember in the story. But she came to him and she said, I got a story you won't believe. She said, I'm an emergency room nurse. And she said, the other day we had a guy flatline in there. And when we hit him with the paddles, he came up bright as could be screaming, the heat, the heat. She said, we, he flatlined again. We, we hit him with the paddles again. He came up screaming out loud, the flames, the flames. She said, he flatlined four times and died. Where do you think he's at right now? Where do you think he's at right now while we're sitting here worshiping? Right now, where do you think he's at? I heard the story of another gentleman <clears throat> that, again, I believe was, I believe it was, he was telling the truth. Same thing happened to this guy personally. He died. He said, I'll never forget it. He said, I, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't believe in Jesus and all this stuff and the cross. 
He said, I'll never forget it when I died. He said, I, he said, you know, you think of outer darkness. The Bible speaks of outer darkness. He said, you could go into a room at your house and get it as dark as you can get it, but it still wasn't the darkness that I saw. Right after I took my last breath, I've never seen such darkness. He said, and I'll never forget, I felt a sense that I was going downward. And all of a sudden, I started seeing shadows. This is just him testifying. It's not my words. He said, I started seeing dark figure shadows. He said, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> they were still working on him. His family says they were still working on him. They were trying to bring him back to life. The doctors, uh, you know, they hadn't given up on him. Well, he ended up coming back to life. He had believers that were also in the room praying, in the emergency room praying. And before you know it, the doctors were able to revive him. And here's what he said. He said, do you want, after he said all I just told you, he said, but do you want to know what the scariest part was? When I was coming, when I felt myself coming back up out of there, coming back into his, his body here on earth. He said, when I felt my spirit coming back into my, bar, my body, <clears throat> he said, it was the cries of the people that I knew I couldn't take with me. He said, I still hear them cries today, knowing I couldn't take anybody with me out of there. I'll never forget one last one, and we're going to continue. One last story here. I'll never forget Mark Cahill shared this one time. Awesome man of God. He's wrote a lot of good Biblical books, solid doctrinal books. I believe he's solid. And he shared this story one time. He said, I'll never forget this lady told him, he told him, she said, my husband had died. And he was out outside the morgue laying under a sheet. They done pronounced him dead, everything. He's out there laying under a sheet. 30 minutes later, well, I'd hate to have been in that hallway and saw this one. I'd probably ran. 30 minutes later, she said, he sat up on the gurney with a sheet over him screaming. She said, till this day, he still can't hardly talk about it, but the long story short, so we can get back to the to scripture. She said, till this day, he talks about because he was lost. She said her husband was lost. She knew he was. That's what scared her to death. She said, and all he talked about was the grief and the separation and the loneliness and the smelling of sulfur. He said that was the best way to describe it. The smell of death all around him. You can believe what you want, whether his story is authentic or he's making it up. But here's the thing you can't argue with. I shared all those. You can use your own discretion if you would read them, just as I had to. But here's one thing you cannot argue with. Right here, it's being laid out right in front of us. We can't argue with that. So here's what I want to do. Let's continue. First, notice in verse 23, that immediately after he died, he was in hell. Let's read verse 23 briefly. It says, he died and was buried, verse 22, at the end of verse 22, verse 23, and in hell. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Notice this, there was no delay. There's no purgatory. There's no purgatory. There's no do-overs. There's no holding place. He died and in hell. And in hell. And in hell. He lifted up his eyes in torment. Notice there was no do-over. There was no second chance once he died. Second, notice he was aware and had all of his senses. I've heard people say, well, I believe if you die and you do go to hell, if there really is a literal hell, I believe you'll just burn up. We know that if you study, ever studied out your Bible, you'll know that's not true. That's not Bible. And right here, it says, it says right here, notice this. He says, notice... We're going to read verse 23 and 24. Again, we said, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. And notice what it says here. He could see. Notice he could see. He still had his vision. Notice he was begging for a drip of water. And number three, notice he felt torment. Remember, this is Jesus telling this, by the way. I've often thought about, as I, I drink a lot of water, and I notice right here, as a courtesy, we've got bottles of water. And this one right here is a little less than half full, about of a fourth full. But I wonder, I wonder tonight, we know there's people in other countries that don't have clean water and what they give for that right there, just that right there. They fight each other for that right there. 
But you know what I also think about? I think about, he said, can I just have that? Can I just, can you just get him to do this right here? Just give, a, give me a couple of those drops because I'm in torment. I told you the other night that I've got people right now that I'm convinced are in hell while I stand here right now. People that I've known because they rejected Christ and want nothing to do with God. And the thing is, the reality is, they're never going to be witnessed to again. They're never going to have another chance to hear the gospel. They can't, as we just read, there's a great goal fixed. They can't pass over. Neither can they come to them and try to rescue them and help them at this point. It's done. It's a, it's a fixed deal by God. And I often wonder, I've got friends that are in heaven that I know, I believe with all my heart they're in heaven. I believe they were sincerely saved, born again Christians, loved the Lord. There was fruit to bear it and show it. <clears throat> and I think often, I know you do, I wonder what they're doing right now. Like literally, like what are they literally doing right now while we're sitting here? You might have a husband, wife, or a relative that's going on. I know, don't you wonder, I wonder about my brother. I think about Russ that's passed on. I wonder what, while we're sitting, I wonder what he's doing right, right now. And that brings joy to my heart because I know I'm going to see him again. Amen? But I'm going to tell you what scares me is there's some people I know I'm never going to see again. If I believe this, and it ain't fun, but if I believe that Bible, I know there's people right now in hell, some that I believe I know personally, they're there. And I never said one word to any of them. And it wasn't all of them because when I was lost, some since I was saved, and I never opened my mouth one time to them. See, we're not to be selfish with the gospel. We're to be selfless. Selfless. We're not to be stingy with it. And, and let's be honest, a lot of it, it's not really our intention. It's not that. Some of us are just shy. It's not that we don't love Jesus. It's not that we really don't want them to know. You know let's not be over hard on ourselves here. But remember, this is a challenge from God's Word. We need revival right here in this area of our life. We need to get a fresh burden for lost people. We need to get back to a reality that there really is a literal hell. And when I sit and I think about that, it, it just blows me away. I'll never forget a story of, there was a little girl. She used to go around with a member of this guy. Um, I won't say his name. Um, not that it really matters, but anyway, I won't say his name. But he had a daughter named Jessica. They called her baby Jessica. And this guy, like Russ, was a witnessing machine. Russ said one time I was with him. They called him, I will tell you this, they called him Wild Bill. He used to run guns and everything. He was, he was extortion into every type of hellacious act you could think of. And Wild Bill got saved. Russ said, I'll never forget one time when he was in a pizza hut. He said, and this guy, he said, Russ used to joke, you had to know Russ, because Russ really was a little crazy in a good way. He said, you think I'm crazy. You should have met what we call Wild Bill. He said one time we were in a pizza hut and Wild Bill looked at him and said, Russ, clear the table. He said, and Russ said, I mean, this place is packed out, pizza hut. And he said, I, he, and he looked at Russ, he said, I told you, man, clear the table. Russ said, I thought, oh, he said, literally, I was like, oh, dude, what is he about to do? He said, and about that time, Russ said, they, he started clearing the table, Wild Bill cleared the table. And about that time, he got up, stood on top of that table. And Russ said, here's what he said. Emergency! Emergency! Screaming at the top of his lungs. People were hitting the deck, Russ said. People were scared to death. They know if he was about to shoot the place up. And here's what he said. He said, now that I've got your attention, there's a real emergency in here tonight. Because, friend, if you leave this pizza hut and you die on the way home without the Lord Jesus Christ, you will go to a hell where you are not wanted whatsoever but for torment. But I've got a place I can tell you how to get there, by who to get there, a place of love that you will be loved for all eternity and you can be washed and cleansed of your sins if you'll repent and come to the cross. It's a free gift right there in pizza hut. Wasn't too long after, while Bill had a daughter named they called her Jessica, they called her baby Jessica. Baby Jessica got real sick. While Bill used to take her, he it was like a little Russ said it was like a little stage act. Russ would, I mean, while Bill would put his daughter on his shoulder like this, and they'd walk around and they'd witness to people. 
And he'd go up and they'd, they'd go to somebody. <clears throat> and while Bill would get talking, I'll use you as an example, and he'd say, Baby, should I tell him or should you tell him? And she'd go, I don't know, Daddy. Should I tell him or should you tell him? I don't know, babe. Should you tell him or I should tell him? And she'd go, go ahead, Daddy, tell him. And he'd witness to him right there holding his daughter, and he'd sit there and share the Lord Jesus Christ with him in love, in the right way. He said, I can't tell you how many people over the years he led to the Lord. He said, but I'll never forget, baby Jessica got real sick. And she was in the hospital, and she was dying. They had people from all over, you know, praying for her and this, that, and the other. Little girl, just a few years old. They were in the hospital, and Bill was over there, and he was there every day by his daughter's side. And on that last time, it wasn't long, she got so sick, and she didn't make it. God called her home. And the nurse said, watched him. She said, while Bill tells the story, she, she came over to Bill. And she said, sir, forgive me, but I've seen a lot of people lose loved ones. But I've never seen somebody quite handle it the way you did. With a joy. With a peace. Mm. Tell me how that is. Mm. Glory to God. She said, while Bill said, Russ tells the story, he said, while Bill reached down, scooped that little girl off the bed, held her up, and walked over to that nurse. He said, baby, since you're with the father, I'll tell her. we telling people because Satan has got us so full of fear and worrying what everybody else thinks we're so afraid that they're going to get mean to us or ugly and it's a lie I can tell you I haven't had it happen one time somebody ever be ugly to me the worst thing they said is they just kind of politely blew me off after I talked to them you know that I appreciate it man thanks you know but I've never had nobody cuss me, disrespect me or anything. You know why? Because I came to them in love. I didn't come to them and say, man, hey, do you go to church? If you don't, you'll bust hell wide open. No. One of the ways I'll get talking to people and witness to them, let's say he pulls up. We were talking about motorcycles earlier. Let's say he pulls up on that motorcycle. I'm looking for anything to bake the conversation. So I'm going to walk in, and I'm eyeballing him. He's on that bike, and, hey, brother, I like that bike. Yeah, and all of a sudden we talk about it for a minute. Hey, let me ask you something. You live around here? Yeah, you know, whatever. You go to church anywhere? You got a home church? I ain't trying to pull you away from somewhere. I, I, you know, God wouldn't have me do that. You got a home church anywhere? Well, I order. I said, man, let me just tell you real quick. I know you're busy. But in all honesty, the only reason I'm telling you this, because, man, there was a time in my life to live a life of hell, and I didn't know the Lord. And when I got saved, brother, he did something inside of me, and I told him I'll tell the world. And I'll never be ashamed. When I was all but homeless, he put my life back together. But forgive me. But I love you enough, i got to at least ask you, do you know Jesus loves you before I go? I may never see you again. If you come up to somebody like that, they're not going to say, cuss you out. They may blow you off. But you know what? Because the devil will say, because the devil don't want you sharing the gospel with them. So he wants to fill you with fear. But listen to this. The Bible says what? Has God given us a spirit of fear? The Bible says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit, but of love and a sound mind. I don't have to be scared. It's not a macho comment. I don't have to be scared. Russ said it this way. What's the worst that can happen? Wow, they hurt my feelings by saying thanks but no thanks. What did Jesus tell them? If you go to the house and they don't accept it, just wipe the dust off your feet and keep going to the next one. Russ said, that's what I do. Hey, if they don't want to hear it, their blood ain't on my hands. I told them. I tried to tell them. They can't say nobody even ever tried to tell me. I don't want somebody to stand up there and say, you know what, I worked around, you know, I'm saying it would happen literally this way, but I'm saying I'd hate for somebody to sit up there and say, I hung around or I lived near Kevin Clapp or I worked around him all these years, and he didn't ever say nothing to me about the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. 
I hate for somebody to say that about me. And my question is this, in love is a challenge, not as a condemnation, but as a challenge, what would they say about you? What would your coworkers say about you if you're saved? Do they even know you're saved? <laughs> Do they even have a clue that you love the Lord Jesus Christ on some level, any level whatsoever? Have they ever sensed anything about you that's different? Have they ever asked you to pray for them because they know you're a child of God? Have you ever invited yourself to, hey, hey, I can tell you, listen, I ain't trying to get into your business, but you just look like you're heavy. Anything I can lift you up in prayer about? I'll go on one of the greatest things you do. I challenge you to do it. Next time you're in a restaurant and your waitress comes up, ask them this. This happens, I ain't, this happens every, almost every single time. I'll say, I'll wait for them to come and just the right time, use discernment. You know, God will give you discernment. And all of a sudden, I feel God go, okay, now. And I'll say, can I ask you something? Yeah, yeah. Getting ready to eat this great food you brought me. I appreciate that. I appreciate your kindness. Can I ask you something real quick? Because I may never see you again. So I got to ask you now. Forgive me for getting right to the point. But is there anything? I'm getting ready to pray. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Do you know how many people, they'll just start crying a lot of times. I've had waitresses and girls, they just start crying. I had one in Ohio I did that too. We sat there for 35 minutes, and I ain't going to lie to you, sat there probably 35 minutes. They were locking up the place that everybody else was cleaning up, and I kind of, I'll be honest, felt bad because she wasn't helping clean up. And her boss literally kept coming out and doing this. And I wasn't trying, I told her, I said, look, I'm not trying to hold you up. She said, no. She said, listen to what she said. She said, if I get fired, this is worth it. Why can wash away my sins when she hears about that blood? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's continue real quick. Let's continue to get stirred and challenged. Let's get out of our comfort zone. Lord, revive us in this area. We need a fresh burden for lost people. Notice now, third, he sends a request to warn. Listen to what we've been talking about in the examples I shared with you tonight. That's why I shared them. Look at this. Verse 27, 28, real quick. Listen to this. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore... If there's nothing else, quote-unquote, that can be done, will you do this for me, he's saying, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. Listen to this. For I have five brethren that he may testify. Think of the examples we just shared. That he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Notice he wants to warn others not to come to this place of torment called hell. And where he is. We have to tell people about Jesus and his great love. It's not optional. He said, go into the world. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. And tell them. Now, let me say this. you got to use discernment. Absolutely. But here's what I would challenge you to pray about. Lord, if this applies to you. And let me say this. There's not a Christian in here that don't need to hear this right now. And I say that lovingly. Unless literally you witness to every single body all the time, and none of us does, let's, keep, let's be honest up in here. And I'm not saying we can to every single person. We still got to live life along the way, amen. But if I work with this guy every single day, and I love the Lord, there needs to come a point where something stirs inside of me. I wonder if he died, what would happen? I wonder if this man died, what would happen? Can I tell you that's my burden tonight as I look around to the faces in here? If you died, if you don't even make it home tonight, do you know what's going to happen? Or you think you know what's going to happen? We need to have a burden for lost people. We need to pray and say, God, give me a fresh burden. I've had I've got a lady at our church and um, and she comes up and she all the time she's on that altar she's praying for her husband. She's been praying and praying. I'll just say her first name, it's Anissa, and she'll say, "Please, please don't give up praying for my husband to get saved. He's strung out on drugs, don't want nothing to do with the house of God. Children caught up in the middle, but you know what she keeps doing? She did like my mama did all them years praying for me. My mama would hold that Bible." And say, if I trust you with eternity, I can trust you to run down my son and save him before it's too late. And the praying mama said, amen, right there. But what she'll do every Sunday, she'll lay on that altar and just cry out for her husband. 
Psalm 34 says it this way, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open unto our prayers. So does God, if she's saved, and I believe she is, does God hear her according to his word? So if he hears, does he just ignore his children? Does it say that in the Bible? He hears you, but he, he ain't got time for that nonsense. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says he sees his children and he listens to his children. Parents could testify the same thing. When you're around your children, you keep an eye on them. You listen when they talk, even if you don't like everything they say, amen. But you listen and you watch your children. Remember, he's the good shepherd, by the way. He watches over the sheep. The good shepherd don't beat his sheep, he feeds them. He cares about his sheep, just like his pastor cares about this flock. He's been put in charge by God. But you know why that, that woman keeps coming and praying? Because she knows. She found that old promise over there that it's his not, it's not, he takes no death in the pleasure of the wicked. And she'll say a little 1 Timothy 2, 4. She'll say, I know it's your will that none should perish, but that all will come to the knowledge of the truth. You proved it at Calvary. So, Lord, I'm just going to keep circling that promise in faith and believing, and I'm going to pray it back to you on this altar until you answer. Just like holding on to the horns of the altar. She ain't letting go. God, I ain't going to let go of you till you do something for that lost loved one. You know, it's easy. Now let's review. It's easy to have a burden for our wife, our husband, our sons, our daughters. But here's where I want us to get out of our comfort zone. There are people out there right now, and I'm listen, we, this is where it's going to get real here for a second. There are people out here right now that are wrapped up in a homosexual lifestyle that most Christians don't even want to get near them, much less share the gospel with them. Now you show me that in the Bible, where Jesus, remember that woman that was called in the middle of adultery, in the act, in the very act, the Bible says, Jesus sitting there just writing in the dirt. And all of a sudden, what does Jesus say? He stands up and says, well, I'll tell you what let's do. And I'm paraphrasing right here. I'll tell you what let's do. You, you, you that are without sin, I'll tell you what, you go ahead and throw the first stone. Did they start picking up stones or did they clear out? <laughs> they cleared out. See, we've all sinned. But what we got to get away from too, and this wasn't part of the message, but I feel like God wants me to say this. There are people out here wrapped up, and I'm going to say this specifically. I'm going to say it again, in a homosexual lifestyle that the church as a whole, the body of Christ is going, mocking them behind closed doors, throwing off on them, but they won't even take the time of day to pray for them, much less witness to them. And according to the Bible that we just read, guess what? We're all sinners. Maybe their sin's different than mine. I didn't get wrapped up in a homosexual lifestyle. Glory to God. But guess what? I was still a sinner on my way to hell. I was wrapped up in drugs. What's the difference? Sin is sin. Notice when he went to Calvary, he didn't say, before I give up the ghost here, let me tell you what this blood was for. It was only for a few things now. It don't cover that homosexuality. Did you hear that from him on the cross? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I just wanted to throw this in. We got to get away from categorizing sin and acting like, well, look at that right there. Look at that right there. There's people out there that need to hear the gospel. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everybody's for everybody. I mean, Russ would go to biker events because of the lifestyle he lived. And he could witness to people that I couldn't reach, quote unquote, because he had a relation. Here's what I challenge you to do. Why'd you bring that up? Look for people that you have something in common with that are lost and witness to them. Look for people that have your interest and witness to them. The things that you've come out of, the lifestyle that he saved you from, guess what? That's your mission field right there. If he saved you out of drug addiction, my goodness, you ought to have a conversation, be able to have a conversation with people that are strung out on drugs and not be ashamed to share the gospel with them. That's your mission. That's part of your mission field right there. If you came, if you're in here tonight, you, your marriage has went through a living hell and God's restored you and now you and your husband's on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to be able to counsel when those couples come by and say, hey, I don't have no hope for my spouse that God can save his marriage. And you go, oh, but he can. Let me tell you what he did for my marriage and my home. You have a testimony, but share that testimony with somebody. A lot of people never share their testimony. I'm going to leave you with this thought. You say, well, man, I'm just skipping with joy after this message tonight. Thanks, Kevin. Kevin. 
When I go to the gym, I'll use it just for analogy, when I go to the gym, I don't expect it to be easy. You know how you get that muscle to grow? You got to put it under stress. And then you got to feed it so it'll recover and grow, recuperate. You got to put it under stress. You know what God will do? You know what His Word will do to grow you? See the analogy? If you want to grow, God's going to put His children under stress. That's how you grow as a Christian. Listen, there's churches all over America that every Sunday they just tickle your ear. Get you a cup of coffee and come on in here and sit down. We're just going to have a polite little time this morning. But I thank God there's still a remnant of us, a men of God, that will stand on the Word of God. We said this at the beginning and tell the truth. We love you. But most of all, God loves you. And if you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, and if you're saved, I know you do, my goodness, how can you keep it to yourself? If, here's the key, if, if you truly, not just saying it, if you truly believe that hell's a literal place. If I knew when I go out, I love this brother. And if I knew right now when he goes out, Something was about to happen. I'd do everything I could to warn him if I had knowledge of it. He said, well, that's, that's different. Yeah, it's not as bad as letting people just go to hell, not opening your mouth. You're right, it's different, all right. We need an increased burden. I want to close with this. I love, I'm going to tell you, I love, one of the things I love to pray about every day is God stretch me. I don't want to just go to heaven even though I'm going. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I, you know, honestly, you know what I want to be able to do? And this ain't a bragging thing, but we know it exists. And I'm just going to tell you, I want to do this. I want to be able to lay that soul winner's crown at his feet. I want to be able to hear Jesus say, you told a lot of people about me. Well done. And I just lay that soul winner's crown at his feet. Because I sure ain't worthy of it. Oh, but he is. Isn't he special enough to want to tell anybody than just come to church and just come and do all the things here as we should, as we should. But isn't he special enough, young people, that you want to tell somebody at school? Isn't he enough? Isn't he special enough? Hasn't he done something in your life that you want to tell other people about? We need to be revived in this area of our lives. And I want to close with this statement. I love Charles Spurgeon, as I know brother here shared. I love that man of God. Another man of God that just stood on God's word and didn't make no apologies for it. In love. It's what we need. I want you to listen to this. Here's what he said. Every time I read this, and I've read this numerous times, and sometimes, let me say this for you, sometimes I'll read it. You know why? Because I still got a flesh that, let's just be real, wants to get a little lazy on God sometimes. And I'll take that thought captive to the knowledge of Christ. And I'll drag that old flesh of mine, old Kevin Clapp over here to the Word of God and say, Hey, be reminded there's people out here dying and going to hell today. God, forgive me. Give me a fresh burden today. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Book of Lamentations. Lord, I need some new mercy and give me some boldness today because I don't want to just go to sleep tonight and just go to work or just this. Along the way, I want to set the example or have an opportunity to witness somebody. If you ask God to give you the attention and notice people to witness to, you're going to be amazed at what He'll start doing. But then it'll be up to you. And guess what? If you fail the first time, and you, let's just be real. If you chicken out, don't feel bad. Just take baby steps. Take another little baby step. And then before you know it, you're going to find yourself, if you won't quit, you'll find yourself, man, you won't. You'll be witnessing to people a year from now, six months from now, whatever. If you start now, weeks from now, whatever. But you're going to find it ain't as hard as you thought it was. And you're going to look back and see how the devil was really a liar in that area of your life. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. And I read this constantly to remind myself, listen to these words. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for. 
So here's what I want to ask you to do tonight. Let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for. Here's what I want to ask you to do tonight. We can play some music if it's possible, some light music or no. It, 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 in this case, it's okay either way. Let none go there unwarned or unprayed for. Here's, my, here's what I feel like the Lord wanted me to share this message about tonight and share a lot of those different examples that I hadn't planned to share. He brought those out and wanted me to share them, I feel like, with all my heart. But listen, don't go out of here beating yourself up like you ain't a good enough Christian. That's the devil. Go out of here saying, you know what? I'm grateful that tomorrow's a new day. And I ain't going to look back at what I might not have been doing enough of, a category, in this particular category, witnessing. But I thank God tonight that I got a fresh reminder that I can start tomorrow. That I can start this week. And you know what? That we can start right now. You say, how do we mean start right now? Let no one go there unwarned or what he said. I like the way he put it. Or unprayed for. Do you have anybody you'd like to come to the altar and pray for tonight? Come if you do. Got anybody that you willing to just get out of your seat? I don't care how comfortable you are. And I don't mean that ugly. I know how it is. You get comfortable. But is there anybody, maybe in your family, co-worker, might be a husband, wife, brother, sister, that according to God's word, not, not Kevin Clout, ignore Kevin Clout. Don't get wrapped up in me. It ain't about me. It's about God. But you would say, you know what? If I'm honest, I got somebody that's about to rip my heart out because if they died right now, I'm pretty sure they're on their way to hell. And I love them way too much. And Satan, I'm not going to just roll over and play dead and act like you can have them. I still believe. Mama said it this way, and I love it as you pray. She said, there's still a river of blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. She used to say, and one day my son's going to get underneath that blood, and it's going to wash all the guilt and stains. I tell you what you ought to do right now. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain, though it tarry weight on it. Vision that person in your mind right now. It might be more than one. Envision them the day they get saved. How about that? Don't envision where they're at right now. The devil's a liar. Envision them when they get a little John 3, 3, born again. Envision them at that altar. Envision them <coughs> accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to give you just a quiet time now for a moment. I'm going to hush. You just cry out to the Father, and I'm going to do the same thing. I got people that need Jesus in my life. You know, that Bible says that, that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. You know what I like, child of God? We didn't go through some religious act just to walk down here tonight. We came because we believe that Jesus is who he says he is <clears throat> and that he hears his children when they pray. That's why. That's why we came. <clears throat> That's why we came to the altar. Some are still praying. Don't feel rushed. You, be, you obey God. Don't worry about me. I'll share this as some are praying. There's a guy. I may have shared this already, but I'm going to share it again. There's a guy that my wife's sister's boyfriend 
I met him years ago and I started witnessing to him. And can I tell you the truth in saying that he wasn't really into it? He wasn't really into it. But I didn't give up in praying because Mama never gave up on me. And I'll never forget, I kept witnessing. I'd send him videos to watch and I'd send him Bible verses every day and I wouldn't get no response. I mean, but I kept sending him bad boys. Because I know why? The word will not return void. So I said, if he reads it, guess what? It's getting in there whether he likes it or not. And if it gets in there, the word's alive and eventually it's going to do something. Amen. That's Bible. Year went by. Two years went by. Three years went by. Finally, one day, December 2018, he darkened the doors of the church, came in. First time he's been to church in many, many, many years, he said. February, he got under. That's why we got to have the Word of God preached. He got under that good old preaching right there, that Word. Got old Holy Ghost conviction. I'll never forget. I'm so glad I was there. I went out of town somewhere. <clears throat> I'll never forget it. He looked over it. My wife, Kim, her sister, and he said, he told me this lady, he said, I got to run to that altar now. He came down that day, got John 3, 3, we cracked open that Bible, showed him how to be saved, what the Bible says about salvation. He called on the name of the Lord and was born again. You know what that's saying? Here's what that's saying. The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. Guess what? He don't favor his children. He's not looking down going, well, I did that for Kevin's prayer, but I won't do it for y'all's down here tonight. Devil, you're a liar. He don't favor his kids. So let that just one little testimony to invite you to keep praying for that person. Keep praying. And guess what? A lot of times it, I've had this conversation with so many parents. Well, it looks like it's getting worse. Can I tell you the same thing happened to most people I'd say a lot of times. But you know what? A lot of times when it gets worse, it's because manifestation's getting close. So hold on. Man of God, you come. I love you, brother. Love you guys.